everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes. Make sure the levels fall from low. I got the girls shining in those so bright. Hey, Tex. Luke, my friend, how are you? I'm good. I'm joined here, Tex, today by friend of the podcast, John Wellborn. I'm always here, just overseeing, watching, listening, looking, judging. judging. <laughs> Look at the baby. Look at judging. the baby. Judging. Ladies and gentlemen, and if you're listening to this, you're listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. That's right, people. Power Athlete Radio is back. Myself, Tex, John, we're here for another crew episode. It's a, we have a, a lot to chew. No, wait, we've bit off more than we can chew in this episode, or have we? In answering a viewer, listener, I mean? Well, I guess we're on YouTube too. Viewer slash listener, and not the other way around, question. <laughs> you mean listener slash viewer? No, no, that's Active ridiculous. slash model? <laughs> not the other way around. I think he just watches us. These ain't no slashies, folks. This is uh, a question that was submitted to the hotline. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Power Athlete Radio has a hotline for you. To ask questions. To ask questions. About things for us to discuss on the podcast. podcast. That's right. Not just calling up asking questions about merchandise or which program. Well, I mean, I'm going to call that guy back. <laughs> okay. he, he seemed, he seemed <laughs> nice enough. Hey, uh, I'm kind of a lean... Uh, five ten. Should I be wearing a large or a medium? So you can lead. You can uh, ask three, questions. Three <laughs> XL stout. You can ask questions slash say statements, or the other way around as well. Because <laughs> we have some. Uh, we got some feedback on our Vision Quest. Our guy. Oh my. Who? So Vision Quest episode three seventy eight. Right. We did a review of Vision Quest. I believe and so. The original question asker had to say this. I don't know how loud this is going to be. Radio. Now I know. I know how you feel about Vision Quest. Yeah, you do. Power Athlete Radio. Somewhere's right now. Zach Evans is listening to it, getting super fired up as the world trembles beneath his feet because his power levels over nine thousand. Power Athlete Radio loves and hugs. Loves and hugs. Tex. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until I received this voicemail, gentlemen, that I knew what this podcast was really all about. And it's loves and hugs. You know, you oh. think it's battling the bullshit. You think it's empowering performance. No, this is about giving people's brains some love and a hug. Well, we just do wait. brain hugs. Just wait till we get Matthew Modine himself on the show. Yes. <sighs> Pretty excited. It's so happening. Shout out to our listeners and viewer, viewer <laughs> for uh, getting 300 some odd likes. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Modine's coming on. We're yeah. going to make it happen. I mean, six hours on the phone with my mom on how to set up a Twitter account so she uh, could like it. Well, she's got all those Twitter bots working mm -hmm. for her. Yeah. And then her handle's Big Booty Ho, which is so <laughs> weird. And th she's been on for 14 years. I thought it was Slam Piece 001. No. <laughs> you don't want to know about Slam Piece 001. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the line is open for you to ask questions so we can give you some answers. That number is 9. Two nine ing 
ing zero. That's nine two nine four six four four six four zero. And we do have a legit question coming in today about some bulking, about some nutrition. Let's see what our listener has to say. You boys ready? Listos. Hey crew, it's uh, Chris and Chicago calling. Um, I was just calling to ask you a question on something. Uh, quick description: I'm 34. I'm about uh, 215 pounds, uh, probably 18, 20 percent body fat, and uh, life situation. Uh, we've been nesting over the past couple of months due to COVID, and I uh, got our first baby due in a couple of weeks. So I've come to the grips of the reality of the situation and started building out my home gym, nice. uh, figuring I might be homebound for a while. I've uh, been grindstoning for a couple of years. Took a brief hiatus uh, when local gyms shut down and everything during quarantine. So. Uh, I'm definitely a little bit doughier than usual here. I uh, love the uh, third monkey content, though, as well. But my question is, um, you know, in light of my situation, building out a home gym, uh, you know, I'm trying to get back in the habit, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on uh, the best techniques, maybe ways um, that I might be able to build out 10 to 15 pounds of, of lean muscle uh, as I'm dealing with my situation at home and, uh, you know, the limitations of maybe a home gym and not having all the equipment available to me. So, uh, anyways, I uh, look forward to hearing the response. Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Love your suit. Chris from Chicago. That's Chicago Sports Radio. Uh, Boars and Bernstein. Inside joke. You guys wouldn't get it. Yeah, I don't get love it. Love your show. Love your suit. Maybe three three of the six listeners out there will know what I'm talking about. Mm. So here we go. Chris from Chicago. 34, 215, 18% body fat. Do mm. you think that's accurate? Ah. Uh, what do you, it depends on the person, right? How, I mean, you could probably, so what does 18% body fat look like in a mirror, John? Um, I don't know, text, stand up and show us. Yeah, take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hubba hubba. That's so, more like, that's uh, like 15. Well, 15 I mean, to 18. 15, you should have some visible ab. Okay. Uh, 18 to 20, you Five. flex hard there, there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't want you to poop yourself. Um, 18 to 20, no visible ab. Still holding. Uh-huh. And a little bit over, like a belly over the belt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And uh, especially like the back dad fat. Yeah. Right? You'd probably end up with a little bit of that, uh, mm-hmm. that back dad fat. That, probably not seen too many delt, like much delt definition either. Uh, it depends on how much Does muscle. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I mean, I've seen guys that were, that were pretty muscular yeah, at one time point. that gains a little body fat and they tend to still have some shoulders and some arms. Mm-hmm. But uh, at 215 pounds, you're thinking 20%. 40 pounds of body fat you're looking at roughly 15 would be 25 so 175 pounds of lean body mass ish yeah so um so here's the thing about this in this sadly yeah like there's a lot to unpack here number one ladies and gentlemen uh, what is this we would refer to this as a bulking protocol yeah if if he's looking to try to put on 20 pounds of lean body mass you're gonna have to like it's very difficult to put on just 20 pounds of muscle unless you're talking about uh, performance enhancing and adding a ton of drugs right. into the mix, which I'm just guessing a new father isn't deciding to, you know, take yeah, a gram of test a week and, mm-hmm. you know, gram a, a trend or something. So he's probably trying to do it naturally. So to put on that type of lean body mass naturally, you're going to have to gain a decent amount of body fat. Right. So you're going to probably look at like maybe 20 pounds. You're probably going to at least put on 30 pounds of body weight if, if yeah. not more. Right. Yeah. And so he, like, this question comes in a, more frequently than not. And we should probably, like, so this is a great opportunity to put this content out here and say, hey, listen, go listen to this episode. Because there's, the environment to bulk 
has to be set up. It's like, uh, yeah, like you know when, um, you know the scene in Forty Year Old Virgin, where like I think he's gonna crank it for the first time, and he like gets the candles all lit. He's got the aromatherapy, and he's got like the right music on and the right pictures. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I can't remember that part. I'm pretty. Is yeah. that part of that's the right movie, isn't it? You are correct. But he's like creating the perfect ambiance for the first time. I think it's himself. George Michael playing. <laughs> wait, so wait, in the 40-year-old virgin, he was not only a virgin, but he had never cranked it? I don't think so. I don't remember that. That's that plot, that plot line. Now, this is like a far analogy, but in my experience, personally, having done a very aggressive bulk, McQuilkin. What? That's, I want to build on that as yeah. well. Cool. And in getting people successfully bulked up in our nutrition, in our nutrition business and, and through nutrition coaching, the stage has to be set. So if you're living a life that necessitates grindstone, which is our flex program for the sure. busy professional or new parent, um, the state like that's already a red flag for me because the stage doesn't seem to be set because you need to be able to sleep and you need to be able to train yourself into the bulk. Yeah. In my most successful period of the bulk when we did 22 Jack Street back in 2014? 14, 15. 2014, 15 was out of the gate the first eight weeks when we were excited about it. Yeah. And we were training our balls off. That was when the, the weight gain, it wasn't all lean mass, John, but like the shape, the shape of my body maintained like a taper. And then it just kind of went pear, if you remember. <laughs> I was wearing pregnancy yeah. pants. <laughs> you, no, you were wearing sweatpants. Remember, you showed up to work and you're like, I'm not wearing pants or jeans anymore. I'm wearing sweatpants. Yeah. And I then blew you're them like, out. I'm not wearing them. I'm like, and uh, you're like, what's with the rag on the stick? It's like, so I could wash myself, man. <laughs> and the, for reference, I was 200 to start 22 Jack Street and eating. Holy shit. That was a full-time job. Yeah. And I plateaued for at 205 for majority of the 22 weeks. And then we had a Rob Wolf podcast, yep. and he suggested this stair-stepper approach, yep. and that's when I took off. But my totals, and this is where Chris, our, our listener here, wanted to gain 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. My total for 22 weeks on an extreme high-volume training program plus excessive calories, about 4,000, I gained 12 pounds of right. lean body mass and 8 pounds of fat. So, and here's the thing, too, the research will tell you however you much you want it but like if you're really hammering it a healthy adult dude can add about a half pound to a pound of muscle a week and that's a healthy like a week yeah wow but that's here's the assumption okay because uh, i looked this up for a dude when i was battling him it's five training days five 90 minute training days wow to drive the adaptation yep. needed. so that was the part of the study and they said like you're probably realistically looking for most people about like 0.2 to 0.25 pounds a week of muscle, yeah. which lines up with techs, right? Coming after 20 weeks, you're looking at a little under a half pound of muscle um, for your gains for 12 pounds of lean mass and eight of fat. So, so let's back up a little bit, John. New baby's coming. Yeah, oh. the baby fog. So that's already gonna that's gonna peel you out of sleep. Well, I'm the sleep needed. He had me until new father. Yeah. And then, uh, like, I was like, oh, grindstone, bulk. Uh, there's just a lot of things, like a lot of pieces that don't line up. Um, I would recommend that if somebody was trying to bulk and put on a ton of lean body mass, they'd probably follow Jack Street. Can yeah. be the program that I would recommend. For our, our new listeners that are unfamiliar with these two training programs, John, can you explain the difference between the two? Yeah. Starting with grindstone? Uh, grindstone, um, the program is 
really an interesting adaptation of the power athlete methodology and that what I wanted to do was design a flexible training program. So what I did is I went through and I earmarked days. So we have a mandatory A and B and those two mandatory A and B's are uppers and lowers and kind of a little mix. Uh, they're heavy on, uh, on PAT post, uh, post activation potentiation. We use a bunch of French contrast. It's usually do something heavy, do something fast, do something dynamic. And we kind of, uh, move back. I found that using the uh, post-activation potentiation training for that uh, group of individuals that tend to follow it, it was extremely beneficial. Uh, it also forces them to move at a certain pace that I can not only push conditioning and build that kind of low-level aerobic, a ton of capacity. Um, I had a conversation with somebody uh, the other day emailing them uh, on the Grindstone program the idea about pushing the the rest sets. You know, everybody's so, you know, st- like, well, how long do I rest here? Well, how long do you need to recover in between? I wear a heart rate monitor so I know exactly, like, hey, at the end of that set, how long does it take for me to recover? And as soon as it hits one of the zones, I go back into it. So you can look at it like that. But what I found is that the better condition I got and the better base level of aerobic uh, conditioning I gained the better my strength was because I could recover faster in between sets and I had better effort during the set. So we use a ton of conditioning. I I break it up into an upper lower. Once you get done with that A and B day, then you have uh, kind of a barrage of other days that look like an aerobic day, uh, hypertrophy, metabolic conditioning, glycolytic day, and they're listed up kind of in a hierarchy. And based upon your need and what you can fit into your training, um, you know, the first two training days obviously are going to be your mandatory A and D, and then you backfill with what you can do. Based so off your schedule, based, based off, off equipment, schedule. based yep. off your goals, or maybe based off just what you feel like doing that week. Yeah. Because you, you want to get the work in, but A and B is where yeah. really what makes, is the, where the magic happens. You get your intensity work, your higher, lo- like your higher load work, but it's still the way you lay it out with the PAP. It's like, it's easy to re- easier to recover from than like a ton of fucking volume well and we're also using a bunch of blood flow restricted training right in, in this cycle for the next nine weeks we're doing bfr so i'll really focus on like uh you know we were doing a bunch of active foot stuff we've been doing a lot of medicine balls which were always staples in the program but we've very added sneaky conditioning tool mm-hmm. very and then we've added in blood flow restriction training for the next nine weeks so we're always really looking at testing new stuff and using little things and finding different ways that like, hey, you know, I have a time constraint. I'm a new dad. I got a big job. Like, you know, whatever it is, I can get into the gym a couple of days a week. But, you know, I need about a 45, 50, 60 minute block on the top end, but more in that 45, 50 uh, grindstones, the program I recommend for you. And, and here, like, because it's about recovery. And we've, we learned this a long time ago, right? And this was a big staple in our uh, seminar when we were traveling around in terms of your ability to recover. It's easier for most people to recover from intensity yes. than it is volume. Volume kills people. Volume so crushes people. By design, Grindstone doesn't have a ton of volume that is hard to recover from. Yeah. If any volume does come into play, it's recoverable volume in the sense of like uh, mostly like repeated eccentric or sorry, concentric efforts like assault bike yeah. or med ball work. There's not a ton of high volume eccentrics. And yeah. to pile on switching between an understanding intensity and volume. We're not talking about what we refer to at the old seminar as emotional intensity. That was really hard. Right? That was really difficult. wall balls for time. 20, 30 minutes, even 15, 10 minutes, if I'm laying down on the floor, mm-hmm. that's how people categorize as intense. No. Versus... Capital I. Capital I. John, how would you quick summarize a capital I for our um, listeners? What was... 
I always looked at volume intensity. Intensity was always the percentage of weight that you have on your bar. Relative like, to? Yeah, to, to what I can do. Like if I can squat 500 pounds and I got 495 on, then you know, you're at you know, 97% intensity. And if there's, if I squat 500 and I got 250 on the bar, I'm at 50% intensity. It wasn't until that I came to the CrossFit circle and they, they kept referencing this thing called intensity and, you know, like, hey, you, you know, max intensity doing this. And I'm like, but there's 95 pounds on the bar. Like, what's your one RM thruster? And like, they, like there was this uh, Blasphemy. interesting <laughs> kind of change up of like emotional intensity. And I thought that was funny that we had to talk to people about emotionally going hard about putting max effort into something regardless and you know it goes back to the you know early days talking about hey if there's you know lift 135 like it's 500 and 500 like it's 135 i mean you're always moving the bar with max acceleration yeah, efforts assumed yeah and so efforts just hard effort was always kind of just assumed as part of the equation so uh, the idea of intensity is pretty interesting and we do a lot of i, I use a lot of standard templates in grindstone um, to really solid tried and true, true stuff that I've used for the last 20 years, things like rep maxes. So I'm real big on um, you know finding out the rep maxes. I'm interested in sevens, fives, threes, ones, doubles, whatever it looks like. And then based off of those rep maxes, I always come back and we do some form of compensatory acceleration cat speed work, which look like um, you know a percentage of that rep max. And at that point, you're using uh, max acceleration as a mechanical advantage increases, so to speed. The idea that max motor unit recruitment happens with compensatory acceleration but also with those rep maxes and then we'll come back and we do um you know if we're doing bilateral work there'll be a ton of unilateral work for accessory um, i'm a big fan of you know uh, single leg bulgarian split squats a lot of lunging a lot of stepping um, and then at that point after we hit through those then we get in we get little short bouts of conditioning i like to use mm-hmm. the assault bike i like jumping rope i like doing really anything that we can to get people in but the goal is for you to push the bounds. I don't want you sitting around for an hour taking 10-minute rest sets. If that's the case, then we mm-hmm. need to up your conditioning. So um, I've always been a big proponent of you know a high level of conditioning. Uh, not only makes us more durable, but allows us to get a more, um, uh, I'd say like a, like a more, I don't even know the word, like just a, like a, a like a more reactive or like like a truer training response, like a more pure training response. Like you're able to reap more from the training by being in better shape. I, I was talking to a lady yesterday, as I said, on the when we were emailing on our hot list. Um, she's in such poor physical shape that, you know, she can only do grindstone like once every three to four or five days. And I was like, maybe it's not the right program for you. Something like Bedrock might be better and just be really smart. Yeah, lean and able, you know, and as you get in better shape and kind of progress on this thing, now all of a sudden you can add more training days. And my the age old analogy of um, the person that can train the longest, most consistently with the greatest relative intensity tends to make the most uh, uh, the most progress. I believe that was from Keith Barr, yeah. episode mm-hmm. 352 of Power Athlete Radio. And then now contrasting Grindstone, which is still like, because of the setup of mandatory and then the availability of these optional days can still be like yeah. a pretty, it, it can, can be still a, melt your a, face. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's designed so you can attack it every single day and auto-regulate the training. Then there's Jack street five to six full 70 to 80 minute training sessions with big heavy lifts and tons of volume because the goal of Jack street is to get jacked. Yeah, get jacked. So that would say, you, you know, if, if you don't have the available equipment, time, and lifestyle to attack Jack Street. Don't half-ass it. 
yeah, then you probably shouldn't be bulking because what you're going to put yourself in is like this highly like hypercaloric environment. And ultimately, you know, uh, we were talking about when my taper went to a pear shape, that's what ultimately is going to happen. You're going to have all this, everything is going to start working against you because it's going to be, it's going to be stress, stress of eating. Eating will become a stress for you, just like the stress of training. And it goes from you stress to distress and starts to work against you. Well, uh, the other one too is um, I think for you guys, uh, especially on the bulk, I think that's like the most consistent, uh, biggest amount of food you guys have ever eaten. A hundred percent. I started the bulk when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And the way you guys ate uh, was how I ate from the time I was 14 until I was in my 30s. So like every meal was one where like you sit down and it's like one one bite full at every meal. <sighs> I'm going to eat everything. You're like, yeah. oh, I have to eat again. Mm-hmm. Or sitting there and being like, I have to eat 7,000 calories today and I've only eaten three. Where am I going to get these other 4,000 calories? Right. And then you're just like. Uh, it, Syrup. It, um, <laughs> what do you think holds my hair up, John? Uh, shots of olive oil, dude. That was my, right. oh, yeah. that was yeah. my biggest one. The little shots of olive oil. And uh, like. I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, a pound of bacon and a dozen, uh, like an omelet of a dozen eggs, like will totally get you wherever you need to go on a calorie. Uh-huh. So like you just, or you just make these crazy protein shakes and you, or, you know, my mom's deal with pancakes. I told the, I was working the high school during the bulk at Jack Street and I told the kids, cause they, l- little guys, senators' sons and things like that, that they needed to bulk up and took the shots of olive oil. Or I said four ounces a day and they asked me how to measure Shut one us. ounce. I said shot class, walked away. And next thing I know, I'm going to call into the athletic director's office uh-huh. to explain myself of why I'm asking the kids to take shots. Mm. So what did you learn? Know your audience. So <laughs> they thought shots of alcohol, not shots of olive no, oil? No, they went into the cafeteria because it was like a, a boarding style. You had kids that lived on campus. So they went to the cafeteria and were asking for shot glasses. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coach McQuilkin told us to get shot glasses so we can pour our olive oil. And they're like, uh-huh. what? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> funny. That is funny. Same school that the American Heart Association secretary went to battle with me over the efficacy of eggs. Ay, ay, ay. Back, let's oh, get back. Oh, that eggs yeah. are yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah let's, get back, let's get Sorry. back to Chris's question here. So we've already tackled the, the, that sleep is working against him with the new kid. His yeah. training volume probably isn't enough to sustain what we're going to recommend on how to actually well, bulk. Uh, more than the sleep, um, I think that there's an underlying level of stress and having your first kid. Sure. Can uh, can we paint this picture for us? I mean, the listeners that don't know, like what does this look like? What is the, is there a window of leading up to 20 inches long head, arms, feet, poop, pee all over. Yeah. But what's the barfed a lot sleep? What's the recovery look like leading up to this moment? Well, and then the eight years after the problem is, is that it's not the, the sleep. It's the interruption of sleep. Mm-hmm. So like what happens is, is you lay down, everything's fine. And then like, you know, you're asleep for maybe an hour or two hours and the next thing you're up yep. and then you're back down you fall back asleep and then you're up yep. and it's the disruption where uh, I didn't sleep any, like any longer bout than 45 minutes to an hour for three months. And like, all of a sudden you're just like, I, like, like you're driving around like in this hazy fog. And I remember I went to get my blood work done and Dr. Tom's like, it looks awful, but you're a new father. This is what with I twins. expect with twins. Yeah. And so for, for twins is like a certainly a um, kind of a, a, a unique situation in and of itself. Sure. But with a single baby, you're feeding every 60, like 60 to 90 minutes or two hours through the night. And then for the first week, at least, mama bear is supposed to stay in bed. So that would, depending on where your baby's sleeping, 
you, dad, like I was on the, I was on the hook to get up, go get the little nugget, drop it on mama. Did then you I had guys to get, do uh, like a bassinet in the room? Yeah. 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 So then, know. and then like the big thing too was make sure mama bears fed and hydrated. So then there was like, get a little snack ready, go get her some water, make her eat it. And then for the first seven days, like I would stay up out of solidarity. And then like we had a team huddle on day eight. And Can't I'm like, do that. <laughs> hey, I want to be my best version of myself. And I think here's how it's going to work. Right. So then I could. Who, who called the huddle? Uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and like Ash was game. And then after that, we started kind of getting a groove. And then, then we hit like they go through things called leaps text where it's like. No matter what you do, that baby will not shut the fuck up. Yeah. And That's then, like, where the swaddle comes in. Yeah, so then you swaddle and you do like the Bob Wellborn thing. You yep. shake this way. Yeah, shake you loose. tilt this way. You do it this way. You just try different positions <laughs> to get that st- thing to calm down. <laughs> and I would let Ashley sleep and I'd try to battle the swaddle. And that was just a matter of personal pride to let that baby know, no matter how tired I am, you will never defeat me. I will uh, always outlast dude, you. Dude, I remember Jamie was crying so much. Like we couldn't get her to stop. And I like got the swaddle and I like actually like so like you like wrapped their arms in and I actually used my foot. I put yeah. my foot on her and was holding her and like, like trying to set mm-hmm. the swaddle even tighter. And Kate looks over and she's like, do you have your foot on her? And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm getting this swaddle in tight. And you tightened her so much that her body mass went to her huge <laughs> dude, melon head. Dude, I'll show you guys. I took a picture yeah. and it's like, she's like in a straight jacket. And then what you totally do relaxed. is uh, you sit down or then you hold them. You kind of put them on your knees and you kind of rock and you like find all these different positions. Yeah. And then finally you're like, shh. And like, I, I would just do this shushing sound. Yep. And the hilarious part was when I had my knee surgery, um, I uh, uh, stayed at Kelly Starrett's house and I slept on his couch. And I remember it was like three in the morning and I heard this like, shh. And I got up thinking he was making espresso. And he was up like doing this with their daughter, yeah. like trying oh, to get her okay. to sleep, calm. like mm-hmm. calm her down, like, you know, the, the white noise sound. <clears throat> and so I always laugh that like um, people are like, oh, like, you know, you got to sh- like, it sounds like your frothing milk is the sound that you want to make. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you tell people like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah. To the point where I thought Kelly Starrett was making espressos or uh, mm-hmm. uh, cappuccinos. So then what was your physical activity? Like the first three months, when did it start to get back to normal? So for me, uh, that's when I hopped on grindstone and saw tons of great results following grindstone until I did that. I pinched my, whatever I did in my neck doing teapots. And then that's where things started to really tumbled down because after day 40 we put her up in the um in her crib and she started sleeping 10 to 12 is hours that normal or her uh that's un- pretty good yeah it's uncommon yeah that's really good uncommonly good yes. so so what happens is um and this is even more uncommon like all of a sudden like um the reason that babies wake up or at least i think so is because their stomachs aren't big enough to hold enough food and then once they get up over like 10 or 12 13 pounds yeah all of a sudden now their stomachs are big enough to hold food longer and then the bigger they get the more food they can hold and then they stay um the issue comes to and then all of a sudden they sleep and you're like oh man this isn't so bad and then they start to teeth and then the teething hmm. you like go in there and they're like crying with their hands in their mouth and then they get like yeah as well calm so, before the storm so we cut all eight teeth we cut in two days so like that was just two nights and then as soon as she went up after day 40 to the crib team huddle i proposed to ashley why don't you do everything (laughs) like i said here's what i want you to do i don't want to have to get up if you don't need me but i will if you have one twinkle of like hey go take care of this you have a green light to to wake me up so i would say out of the week three or four days out of like the work week she would 
she would be a trooper and then maybe she'd tap me in like i can't do it tonight and i just get up and go and then on the weekends it was my deal like i i did the evening feedings because it was also like two or three weeks until we could introduce a bottle and it was another week till she took it from me so that's what so it, it can disrupt your sleep a ton and it's going to be totally different and individual based off how your baby was but we kind of lucked out on this round so which makes me think you know rounds two through six are going to be a fucking nightmare well, well there'll be girls the She'll next one will be a lot easier i'm sure <laughs> so we want to talk so let's get back into bulking right right so, so this, now what was the nutrition what were y'all eating did you adjust because you didn't want the dad fat yes i went i carb cycled i ate carbs i had basically zero carbs less than 30 40 grams a day high protein roy g biv as diverse diet as i could and then when i felt like i needed carbs i would just smash sweet potatoes or um you know, like, like a gluten-free toast or like we do gluten-free buns with burgers or something like that and sweet potato fries. That was typically how I handled it. I don't know what you did, John. I can't remember. Yeah. It was, um, it's still... Fog like, of war? Yeah, like I just can't even, like like that point in my life, I look at those pictures and I'm like, I don't like, like, like um, I remember like I was showing the kids some pictures and it was like we were, the, I was like, man, I totally don't even like, like there was mm-hmm. six months of my life I just don't remember. Yeah, that's when you hired Luke. And just like going back, (laughs) but going back and having done the bulk and having gone through baby one, who was like a probably like an ideal candidate baby sleep cycle with a wife who was supporting to potentially a bulk. No way, dude. There's no way I would do it. So having a baby and bulking is, in my opinion, a no no. However, the one thing, let's say you're not having a baby and you do fit Chris's criteria here. even at 15 to 20% body fat, you're probably not ready for a bulk, well, right? Well, he, he said he was 18 to 20. Okay, so let's say... So, yeah, you're not ready to bulk because the problem is if you bulk, all of a sudden you're going to be 25 plus and now all of a sudden we're putting you in a mm-hmm. bad position. So I don't really like for people to bulk unless they're fairly lean. Like, So if let me were, dig into that real quick because I think we talked about it before the show yeah. because as you're bulking, for every pound of muscle you gain, if you're doing it great, you're probably gaining a half pound of fat. If not more. If not more. Yeah. So that would put you after your bulking goal is achieved over shit 30 40 weeks maybe 50 weeks that still puts you at like 25% body fat which is not a good spot to be in so sorry john to go back yeah. so then so then you want him to get leaner first yeah no i mean i ideally it's uh it's kind of an ebb and flow um if you're going to bulk then you almost have to and i i fucking hate this like bulking leaning bullshit that you see on the internet but if you want to put on lean body mass, you have to assume that you're going to put on fat. Like the age old, like, oh, these clean bulks and these guys that are like, oh, I put on 20 pounds of lean body mass and didn't gain an ounce of fat. It's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's uh, internet folklore, Instagram nonsense. Like if you're going to put on muscle, you're going to put on some fat. And then what you do is you end up gaining up. You push, the, you kind of put the set and then you got to kind of diet back down. So ideally what I would do is said, hey, if you were going to want to bulk and you want to put on that 20 pounds of lean body mass, we got to diet you down a little bit and get you in that 10 to 12% range because as we go back up, you're going to get back to that 18 to 20. Right. And then as you start to get over that 20%, like just the biology isn't in your favor no. to put on muscle. So then you it, have like like metabolic it's, derangement. it's possible, but we're just like what we have to do when we give these recommendations, folks, is like play the odds for the largest swath of people. You know, it, I guess it, it is possible, but you'd it'd have to be a highly individualized approach where you're really investing in regular blood work. You're really investing in like monitoring 
well everything going on the the easiest bulk, it ain't happening. uh the easiest bulk is if you've been there before mm-hmm. like i have no doubt i could be back at 300 pounds pretty easy yeah ditto yeah like Me. i could like like have having been it's there at like 300 pounds for for you know probably oh, fuck. uh 13 14 years yeah. of my life all of a sudden it would just be like Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, I put I put on twenty pounds pretty easy. Whereas I think for people that have never been there and you have to push the set, it's mm-hmm. called cultivating mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's then build out a scenario. Chris has the baby. He, let's say he's six months in. The baby's sleeping. They're not doing round two for the baby, or maybe they are. But like things start to normalize, he can start to hop on Jack Street. Get yeah. five ish, five to six, sixty to seventy minute training sessions in that are full, like is with training that is designed with volume and intensity to get jacked well um, like jack street i wouldn't attempt the bulk until you had the time for jack street yeah if, if you're in a position where like grindstone is still like hey man I'm, I'm only able to get three days a week on grindstone and you're not even do, able to approach the kind of the the frequency and the, the training program like jack street and i know that's kind of shitty and i'm sure people are like oh no no i mean no like be smart if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna invest the money and in not only into supplements and food and making this deal put yeah. yourself in the most advantageous environment to make the most gains by following a program like check totally and as someone who has suffered in my opinion a bad bulk uh then unwinding a lot of that is work like unwinding a bad bulk is as much work if not more than the bulk itself which is a lot of work mm-hmm. So with all that said, then it comes into calories in, calories out. So you're sitting around 10% body fat to start the bulk. You jump on Jack Street. You're attacking the training with the fury of a thousand suns. The biggest component of your food that's going to help you get jacked is protein. Yeah. um, The one macronutrient I've found most readily kind of available or, or, uh, you know, for body composition is protein. But it's it's harder, much harder to gain uh, muscle without carbs because so like, you need like the fuel to hammer dude, the training. Yeah. Like right? there, there's, a, I mean, there's pretty, uh, like even if you go back and you look at the eighties when like these bodybuilders were eating like, you know, five, 600, a thousand grams of carbohydrate, like there's, you know, uh, body composition and protein are very, very important, but it's very difficult. And more importantly, it's difficult to put on big globs of muscle without carbohydrate. Yeah. And I guess it's possible, but you got to be fucking hard and you got to be dumb because you have to attack the training and it's going to be miserable. You're yep. going to be a miserable person without carbs hitting Jack Street. Like, so that looks like what we would do is we'd start you probably, what do you think, John, 17 to 18 calories per pound of body weight at, at 10%? Um, uh, pretty much we'd have to, well, the first one I'd want to know was what he's eating presently. Right. I mean, if he's telling me, hey, I'm eating, you know, eight, oh, good point. eight to 10, uh, eight calories a day, you know, he's going to make gains off. Of, yeah. I mean, yeah. Off like, of 15 or 16. Yeah. And then so, you would stair step it up yeah. after that. Yeah, so I'd start him, like, what's the minimal effective dose to get him to gain weight? And then when he's stalled, we can up calories or we can start to stair-step or we can do a little bit of mm-hmm. zigzag or some other protocols. So what we're talking about with stair-step and zigzag is ultimately uh, pull, like modifying daily caloric load or macronutrient balancing based on things like maybe it's training. Maybe it's training plus lifestyle, right? It's a busy day at work versus the weekends you're down. Or maybe you're, you're all over the place on the weekends and you need to stair-step there so but at the end of the day you'll we're going to start you isocaloric and probably just hammer you into a baseline but then from there we need to monitor your results we need to monitor your body composition your strength numbers your measurements and then based off of that we're going to start to modify 
food selection, meal timing, and realistically like cal- caloric loading and carbohydrates, right? Yeah. Those are kind of the big levers we pull for the bulk. Yeah, I mean, to really bulk, uh, food quality I think is important. Um, I definitely would, uh, I've seen people do the bulk with like, uh, uh, you know, cheesesteaks, pizza, and uh, ice cream and just anything they can get their hands on. Uh, I think the problem, though, is as you're putting on that excess body weight and that fat, like if you're consuming yeah. a high amount of junk food, it just puts you in a bad place. Now, if you're trying to do this at 15, 16 years old or even 18, 20, it's a little bit different. But I think for a guy like in his situation, uh, I would look for the most nutrient-dense, best food I could. And then once he gets rolling, uh, you know, kind of – and everybody runs in this. You guys ran into this. I ran into this. Like all of a sudden you're gaining weight and then it just – stops yes and you start adding more calories mm. and all of a sudden it doesn't work like it actually <laughs> started like i like the more i started eating the like the less weight i was gaining and uh, at that point you almost have to like stop okay hey we got to get a new plan of attack yeah. and that's when you kind of hit like uh, a hatfield zigzag diet right. or what we use with the stair step or some of the other protocols that we've used um and to, to kind of keep pushing that one thing that could we could even do there john i think what we talked about in like our, our after action on the bulk of maybe a couple years after is like um, just stop right there, stop the bulk and go into a leaning protocol or even like a maintenance phase when it starts to hit that plateau point, because you just got to change the stimulus almost, right? Like change something. And then sure. So then let's say you've gained, you're on your 20 pound weight gain quest and you've only gained six pounds, but you got to diet down and maybe you lose one pound of that lean mass, but then you start up again. Like it's, it's a long road as I say on my blog, sure. uh, <laughs> bedrock reset. Yeah. So it's like, it is like a reset almost and uh, recomposition and recalibration, I think would be if you hit that stall point and some of the, you know, like, like you're saying some of the zigzag or stair stepping isn't, isn't working. Maybe you just totally shift gears. So, uh, I had a funny deal when I was playing the NFL. Um, I had a body weight I was supposed to hit and it was funny if I trained real hard and I didn't eat enough and all of a sudden my body weight was down, I would take a rest day. And like, as long as my body weight was like constant or gaining, I would train hard. But if all of a sudden I dropped like three pounds in one day, yeah, uh, back the volume, then I would just like, today's a rest day. And uh, we trained pretty much, you know, the only day we took off was Sunday when I trained with Roth. Uh, We were six days a week, but then all of a sudden I'd wake up and if I was down, like, and it was crazy. Like I'd I'd train, everything was great. We were moving and then I'd wake up one day and I'd be down five pounds, even though I'd been monitoring all my calories and I hit him up and be like, today's a rest day. And I would like not do shit. Like I wouldn't leave the house. I would watch TV. I would hang out. I would eat. I would sleep. And I knew that like today was the day I wasn't going to do anything. And all of a sudden the next day I'd go back. Body weight was back up and I felt fine. And it just uh, that kind of deal. Whereas I think people have this idea like, oh, I'm going to miss a day. You know, I'm going to be behind. No, like if my body weight was down. And because for me, um, I had a certain body weight that I had to weigh, uh, you know, like they set our target weights. Yeah, it's your I, job. Well, right. if I was too far below or too far, we ended up getting fined. And it's like, man, like I, I can't crash on this body weight. And then it was interesting because John Meadows posted something like um, he was talking about like getting ready for one of his bodybuilding shows that all of a sudden, like when his weight starts crashing, he knew he had to like just stop doing what he was doing. Yeah. And I thought that and I was like, man, that's really pretty interesting because I ran into that same thing. Like I would just have these funny weight crashes and I was like, no, not leaving the house today. I'm just going to eat. And right. I would just fucking pig out and lay and just lay around and instantly my body weight go back up and next thing my training went went up real were other players that you're familiar with as in control of their own diet and nutrition or did Uh, they just go most of the guys i did raf check in with you on that or did you you had control raf uh we never discussed nutrition 
Uh, we never discussed nutrition. We never discussed any supplements. Um, he just like, uh, and I remember I asked him once and he was like, well, you know way more about that shit than I do. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, all right. And he's like, I just figured we didn't have to talk about that. So, um, you know, and I, I because I, I had worked with Dr. DePasquale and like I had pretty good background in this stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, I had enough um, experience, like, you know, training with bodybuilders and some of those to know, like, hey, man, like, like uh, the it's pretty funny, man. Back in the early days of the cross of football deal, Roth made a really interesting comment. He's like, hey, if you're going to be training athletes that have to get bigger and how to put on lean body mass and you're working with people that need to increase their size, you should probably understand a little bit about bodybuilding because bodybuilding has figured out how to create bigger, leaner athletes. So, like, you have to look at that stuff and be like, okay, hey, these guys have figured this out. They've cracked this code. Um, I have to apply some of this stuff. And so we had pretty good conversations with it. Um, And, uh, I mean, Roth, if you've been around Roth, Roth eats like, like he's, you know, like he's starving at all times. I mean, it was unbelievable the amount of food that dude eats. I've never seen him eat one calorie. What? No, I'm just kidding. But basically. <laughs> oh, my. Really? Wow, man. We, we would like, we would go out to dinner. Lots We'd, of smoothies. <laughs> oh, he did love him a smoothie. We'd go and get that, um, this place in Tampa. He had a smoothie. It was called like the 800 pound gorilla and it had 800 calories. He would go get that thing and like just slam two of those. And like, uh, we would go, like we, we ate a lot of food, man. He was, uh, he was definitely not only uh, a good person to train with, but like, Anytime we wanted to go eat, he was in. Lots of sushi. Did we miss anything, Tex? I think we... I, no, we feel we hit it all. Nesting, so I feel that term to me... What is nesting? Meaning he's getting been... Getting ready in, for a baby. Inactive. Yeah. Uh, nesting. They've been like getting the house ready. Uh, oh. I thought women nest. I didn't think guys nested. It's a new world, John. The women expect us to participate. In nesting? Yeah, so what you do is like... Watch them build a crib while you have a scotch. <laughs> uh, I actually built everything. Actually, no, Kate, Kate helped. Mm-hmm. But uh, the mm-hmm. problem was, as um, we were laughing about it the other day, uh, the, the water retention with twins is like exponential. Mm-hmm. And like she would like get up and her poor little feet were like squares. <laughs> like they were like hooves. squares with toes. And like um, I, I got her those, um, those Normatec uh, like boots on her legs. And like we would try to like uh, pump yeah, yeah. it out. And like, dude, I feel like the water retention was so bad. Like yeah. we were laughing about the other day. And then she's like, after I had the kids, like 10 days later, it like came back. And she was just like, ah, I don't know what's going on with this. Yeah, it is a gnarly process for those mamas. I am uh, so glad I'm not a woman because I'm pretty sure dudes would have been like, nope, this is the end of the species. We ain't doing this. And um, being a six foot five, 280 pound woman wouldn't really bode well for you why there's a lot of men out there that would be totally about it look at McQuilkin if he mm-hmm. could meet a 6 foot 5 280 pound woman do it Tex she could just carry you my around one, in her pocket my one regret I want a woman who can change uh, change me like a baby <laughs> grab <laughs> your legs and just well if you're out there 6 foot 5 male Callie K or no wait C-A-L-I email Callie <laughs> yeah, if you know a lady who's 6 5 280 because she's not a lady unless she's 280. <laughs> that's 100% true. Uh, call. And ask for text. Yeah, that's right. Um, there you have it, folks. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you need guidance on nutrition, we're your guys. I mean, number one, this podcast is Exhibit A. But number two, go to powerathletehq.com slash nutrition. We have bulking protocols that 
give you some direction and guidance on how to set your MyFitnessPal up to bulk, to lean, to hit a keto approach. We also have some one-on-one coaching. Yeah, if you really 100%. need somebody to take you on that journey, we have some amazing coaches that yeah. can help you get there. Know who you are. If, you ha- like if you're relatively autonomous with your relationship like uh, with food, like John was when he was with Roth, the, the protocols are a no-brainer. Like they're just, yeah. they, they fill the gap and they give you a system to follow and it's going to work. If you're someone who needs, needs a little bit of accountability and hand-holding, no shame. This is a hard thing to do. It's a very hard thing to do. So uh, that's why we have coaches to help you out. PowerAthleteHQ.com slash nutrition. And if you have a question, loyal listener, for McQuilkin, myself, the big guy, John, maybe one of our uh, people in the Rolodex, we could phone a friend or something like that. Hit us up on the Power Athlete Hotline. The phone number again is 929-464-4640. That's 929-ING-ING-ZERO. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!